I got gifted by Alice, actually. And the experience was unlike any other. It was a cedar box. It had my initials monogrammed on the corner of the box. And when I opened it inside, there was a handwritten note. It wasn't anything earth shattering as a as far as gifts go, you know, but it was a thoughtfulness. It was the intention. And went straight to the marketing team was like, what are y'all building here? Because this is the coolest thing. I have to learn more about how you're using this to grow your business. That's MK Gettler, dog mom, avid snowboarder, and head of marketing at Alice. On this episode, we sit down and talk to MK about how Alice is changing the one-on-one customer experience game using AI, and we talk about the importance and the strategy of how to squeeze every last drop of juice out of your content. This is Lights, Camera, Grow. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. My name is Jared, and today's podcast, we have MK Gettler. How's it going, MK? Amazing. You know, it's sunny here, which is not always the case in the middle of winter, which is at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of winter. The light is at the end of the tunnel. Spring is not far away. And Puxatani Phil told us it's not too far away, but I'm just going to take every sunny day that I can and just just enjoy it. So for everybody listening out there, it is uh, February. So it's probably a little bit snowy where you are. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit cold. Uh, it's actually been a little bit chilly here on the West Coast, which is kind of weird. We've had some uh, some weird days in like the 30s and the 40s. For this time of year, it's kind of weird. And it's raining of, of all places. Uh, it's, it's, it never rains in Los Angeles, so it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, mm-hmm. thanks for joining us here today on the podcast. For those of the audience that don't know who you are or Alice, could you give us a little bit of backstory on yourself and tell us a little bit about Alice? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm MK. I'm the head of marketing here at Alice, and we are an AI augmented personal gifting and personal experience platform, which has a lot of jargon in there. So I'll deconstruct the jargon a bit. Um, Last year, we created this category called personal experience. We truncated it to PX. Um, And PX is all about turning those, you know, one to many or one to few interactions or worse touches, which I'm like, super creeped out by that word, um, into one-to-one moments wherever possible throughout the customer journey. And our platform allows folks to do that at scale. So we take the best of automation, we take the best of AI, and we use the best of building relationships and bonds with folks and enable really good, deep one-to-one conversations through our five to nine. So I can't I can't help but notice all of the stuff you have on your background here, all the things that I assume are your five to nine interests. Like, it looks like there's some video games there, maybe a Polaroid camera. Like, all that stuff tells a story about who you are as a person. And marketers are so hung up on talking to the persona. So we want to fix that. We want to change that. That's cool. So I can't help but ask, and this is probably going to derail a little bit, does it ever get the the equation wrong and send the wrong gift? <laughs> it doesn't, actually. Uh, what's so interesting is, um, so the information that we, we send for the AI augmentation is, is really just about the personal groupings of information that we find about po- folks on social media profiles. Things that are just public domain information. It wouldn't be that hard for me to go probably find you on social media, on LinkedIn, maybe on Instagram, on Twitter, and find your affinity groups. Our platform just helps enable that and then allows you to be- build momentum on that. But the the cool thing is our platform, like, it's not about the, like, aha moment of getting the gift. 
It's actually about helping to facilitate a conversation through what someone may select or swap out from their gift in the marketplace. So our tool, while I may end up sending you, I don't know, I could get like a cool Atari poster for you. You instead may go into our marketplace and say, you know what? We adopted our dog from the MSPCA, ASPCA, whatever the animal shelter of your choice is, and donate the proceeds of the gift to something that matters to you. Now, the next thing we do when we talk is we talk more about your affinity for pets, for rescues, and where that comes from. And we're not talking about something that isn't relevant or important to you at that very moment. And as the relationship progresses and I send you more gifts, you're opting in. You're giving me more insight and information into the things that motivate you, the things that inspire you. Um, I hope we one day will see you have a select a onesie for your newborn, like all little things like that that just tell me more about what makes you tick. And that is where we can build bonds and deepen our relationships on a one-to-one level. That's amazing. So what is the, the average time length of that? I guess you could say. So I imagine the first ver- the first version or the first iteration is kind of probably quick, right? You fill out what you need to fill out and then it, it goes out. But what's the average, I guess, time length that it takes to kind of get to the deeper versions? Our philosophy is the more that you create those one-to-one moments, the more those moments turn into momentum in your relationship. When you can give someone that unexpected crazy high expectation experience, people are more inclined to want to come back to you, want to come back and have conversations with you. Most folks will start off initiating the the relationship, you know, in the beginning of a sales cycle, for example, but you have all series of moments in collection throughout the entire customer lifecycle. Work anniversaries could end up being part of that. You know, huge celebratory milestones. One of your customers ends up getting a new round of funding. Flip them some gifts. Say, hey, this is huge. Congrats. Like, this is so great to be part of this major milestone for you and your organization. So the, the frequency of delivering these moments should happen all throughout the gifting, all throughout the customer experience. And gifts can help facilitate that more effectively. Now, but you don't need to have gifting for personal experience to come into play, right? Like that just so happens to be the commodity that we trade in today. But there's so many other applications. You have companies out there like PomBomb, like Vidyard, who are like Wistia, who are working on video technology so that people can have one-to-one moments with each other. Um, Movable Inc., Path Factory, Uber Flip, they're working on technology to change content and deliver moments throughout the customer journey based off of the intent data and intel they have on prospects. So personal experiences happening all around us, I just think we can make it better. I think we can elevate that experience for our consumers time and time and time again, and it should gain momentum throughout the relationship. So I guess just at a fundamental level, like it sounds like in general, no matter what kind of business you are, no matter what you're doing, like these are like, these are kind of fundamental things that you should be doing regardless, right? You should be figuring out how to make this one-to-one connection so that it's more personable. So it's not just the handshake business contract, move on less of that. Right. And again, going back to what you said earlier on less of the persona, more of the person. So how did you fall into this um, when you started at Alice? Uh, was this yeah. something, was this like a passion of yours to begin with, or was this just like a path that you kind of got led down? You know, when, when you go back to like the beginning of my marketing career, you'll find like this deck that I built for the very first time I presented at HubSpot's annual conference inbound or event. They like to call it an event, their event inbound. And you can see way back in 2014, I think that was, 
I was already talking about human-to-human marketing. It's something that I have just always felt is a really important part of building longing, lasting relationships and bonds in business. Um, Now, HubSpot took it even further than that and built the flywheel because the flywheel and allowing your customers to market through your customers, not to them, it has a cyclical effect of driving more business and the amplification of the things that you're doing really well. Your customers are doing your marketing for you. Now, that could be really good marketing or it could be really bad marketing. It just depends on the experiences you're delivering and how often you're getting one-to-one with them. Um, so going all the way back to that, that's like that's when I started cutting my teeth on this philosophy that we should be more human in our marketing. We should be more personal in our marketing. Um, fast forward to 2019, uh, I was working at another startup. I got bit by the startup bug after I was at HubSpot, we went public and I was like, this is cool. Let's keep doing this. Um, I was at another company called BirdEye where we worked on online reputation management, meaning how do you take your customer's feedback and use that feedback to manage your online reputation through reviews on Google or G2 Crowd or Trust Radius and use that as a fulcrum, as a lever of success for your growth and your demand engine. Um, but I got gifted by Alice, actually, um, and the experience was unlike any other. Every day I would walk into the office, I would have at least three or four boxes on my desk, and most of them were like generic crap. Like I'm I'm super picky too, by the way, about pens and the amount of terrible ballpoint pens that I would just like quickly chuck over my shoulder and completely forget about is unreal. The amount of waste we're putting into our systems now of things that are just like not good. But this Alice experience, it was a cedar box. It had my initials monogrammed on the corner of the box. And when I opened it inside, there was a handwritten note and all the note says, said was, it looks like you have an eye for photography. I hope this comes in handy. If it makes sense for us to connect, here's my contact information. And when I went to redeem the gift, it was just a picture frame. And it, was, it wasn't anything earth shattering as, as far as gifts go. You know, you can go to Marshalls, you can go to HomeGoods and you can get a picture frame for like 15 bucks. But it was the thoughtfulness. It was the intention and the subtle compliment. Yeah, of course, like they stroke my ego a little bit. But that whole end-to-end experience made me feel seen. It made me feel as though I was the only prospect this rep cared about. Um, and so unfortunately, I, I bypassed the rep and went straight to the marketing team was like, what are y'all building here? Because this is the coolest thing. I have to learn more about how you're using this to grow your business. Um, months later, it finally the timeline, the stars all aligned. And then eventually it was just the right time for me to jump over to the Alice team. And I haven't looked back since. It it has been incredible. So I've been on the team since December of 2019. Originally started building out their customer marketing motion. And suddenly here I am now leading the entire team of almost 15 folks um, in both marketing and business development. That's amazing. What an amazing story too, that you, they sort of roped you in and it was almost like, you know, I don't know if the intention was using using it as a recruiting tool, but it almost was a recruiting tool, right? So that was, yep. um, I mean, that's amazing. And yeah, the thoughtfulness of just a, a something simple, like a picture frame, like I'm sure you would have been just as stoked if maybe your family member would have got you that, right? If they would have been like, wow, that's really thoughtful. You actually are paying attention to what I'm actually into on a, on a deeper level. So that's really cool. So going, as you mentioned, just growth, when you started to now, like, 
what have been some of those growth goals for Alice and, and yourself and your team? Yeah. So one of the things that our growth goal last year was about announcing the new category we're creating personal experience. Um, so if you've ever read the book, Play Bigger, one of the things that they advise is when you do define a new category is to create a category lightning strike. So last year we came out into the market, you know, it was our coming out party, if you will. And we struck the market with this concept of personal experience and have slowly been building momentum around that. Um, obviously last year was just like, it's such an unusual year. And like many companies, many folks in our position, we were just trying to get through the year and make the most out of what little like positivity and excitement and momentum we had in the marketplace. We're so, so fortunate. And, and I know when recognized that not everybody was in this position last year, but because our product allows people to build bonds and get to know one another, even without seeing each other face to face our product was perfectly poised in the market to help folks who were struggling to figure out, ooh, in lieu of events, how do I get to build these connections with my attendees? Or in lieu of face-to-face -face prospect lunches and dinners, how can I sponsor lunch and or dinner for them and maybe meet virtually up after they've eaten, you know? That type of experience um, was something that we were really fortunate, like I said, to be able to help facilitate for folks. Um, beyond that, you know, some of the like more mechanics, like uh, we're a Series A startup, so hitting our revenue targets, making sure we're on top of all that, growing our demand gen engine and function, um, you know, basics like defining life cycle stages, all the boring marketing stuff. Yeah, right. The mechanics of it all. Those are also big milestones and goals for us for last year. But I'm glad we did. We had that experience. I'm glad we did our due diligence and paid our dues against building the right engine because this year, all the momentum we generated last year has just catapulted us into a really awesome position for 2021. Yeah, I was going to ask or, or mention just based on everything going on last year for anybody listening to this way in the future, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And it's so funny. And just a side note, I keep saying middle and we always hear middle of a pandemic. And I think that's just because we never know where the end is. Right. So we could be three quarters, right. through, but you never know. Right. So it's the middle of the pandemic. The generations that listen to this marketing stuff five, 10 years from now can be like, those idiots, they were like right on the verge of the end or like those idiots, they were like four years out. They had no clue. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so with that being said, I was going to ask how has your um, philosophies, I guess, shifted based on just less physical face-to-face -face type contact, but you guys, I mean, you just laid it out. You guys were perfectly positioned. It was almost like you were ahead of the curve anyway. And you sort of mm -hmm. saw not into the future. Oh, we see a pandemic, but into the future of like, well, things are just going to start to flatten out with technology. People are going to continue to mm -hmm. do more FaceTime type video, zoom video. So, um, it's really interesting that you guys already kind of thought ahead of that, uh, by the way you position. So, yeah. And then of course, just falling into the, the trade show is the biggest one, right? That's always like one of the bigger mm -hmm. ones, the trade show marketplace. Um, that's that's a perfect place to kind of uh, to use a service like yours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. I mean, last year just called to uh, to mind for most folks how urgent and dire the situation was for marketers and sellers. But it, it wasn't just that moment. It had been building and mounting for quite some time with the introduction of like marketing automation platforms and sales automation platforms. We've watched as the quantity of interactions have increased, but the quality of those interactions have completely Sure, decreased. it's like set it and forget it, right? 
Bingo. Yeah. And so we're now all going a mile wide, but an inch deep in the relationship when in reality we have the technology to go a mile wide and actually a mile deep. People just like skip out on that step and sacrifice the experience for their prospects and customers along the way. So that's a great segue um, because content is something that, you know, our agency is sort of built on. And obviously we're doing a podcast as, as content here. And we kind of feel that same philosophy, like you can go wide, but you can also go a little deeper, which is why we think a podcast is one of the better ways to sort of do that. So let's talk about content strategy for Alice. You guys produce a ton of content. How Number one, how do you have all the time for it? What are some of those pain points? Um, but also give us a little oversight of like the content strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So I will say I'm, I'm super flattered. Thank you. Um, because my team does work really hard on the content that they produce. We care a lot about content. I mean, I don't fall from far from the HubSpot tree. Like I'm born and bred and forged in this deal of content creation. But what I really pushed my team to focus on this past year has been content repurposing. So what you see in all these different avenues, all these different channels, all these different iterations or permutations of a piece of content really just originates from one asset. We have just, uh, the way I coach my team is like, content is like a circle. There are 360 degrees around that piece of content and how you choose to view that content and from what degree you look at that content, you can reimagine and repurpose the the, uh, angle of it. So for example, um, we have two original series that we launched last year, one called Data Protection Breakfast Club, where our general counsel, Andy, talks with all of his friends in data and or privacy and or legal about compliance around GDPR, um, CCPA, or just like general like ad tech needs and wants at this point in time. And that at face value could sound boring to like the layman that could sound kind of boring to a marketer. But the way that we've thought about that content is it's, it should be fun. It should be lighthearted and interesting. And we can turn that one recording into like six different blog posts, 14 different social media posts, and also use our network of guests on the show to help amplify each episode from on there. So I know it sounds like I just described a pyramid scheme for a little bit, but <laughs> it's not a pyramid scheme, I swear. We're just trying to take this content and get as much mileage out of it as possible. Um, and so I, I trained my team. I taught my team how to take one asset and make it into 14 different assets. And now they've like far outpaced my content creation and repurposing mindset. So they're thinking of all these unique and creative ways to repurpose this asset into, you know, sales sequences for our sales reps and marketing nurturing streams for our prospects that are in our marketable database of contacts. Like they're just going above and beyond with what we can do with that content. And it's not just content that we like put out there and hope people react to. It's content that we want people to engage with. So we actually solicit and ask for feedback. We ask for a dialogue to unfold in social and then turn that as a moment into momentum in our customer relationship. Yeah, that's so that's so cool. So it, we're, we couldn't be more aligned. So as a philosophy in, inside the agency, we have something similar. We don't call it the pyramid, but we call it the pillar content method. And it's <laughs> okay, not cool. far from HubSpot's like pillar page like method, right? We do the same thing, but we use our podcast as, as an example. We'll take, you know, one hour piece. We'll start to cut it down into bite-sized snippets. And then they go into the various channels based on whatever they, you know, are best fitted. Um, but yeah, exactly. I mean, we call it upcycling, meaning like, mm-hmm. or recycling, I guess. I don't know what the cool yeah. kids say these days, but um, <laughs> 
yeah, for anybody out there that has content that's sort of been sitting there, webinars or podcast series, you can do this with that content and it becomes mm -hmm. really valuable over a longer period of time. Um, and it makes, obviously it, it, it starts to build up your content library a lot, a lot more. And then you can go deeper, of course. Absolutely. And when you look, okay, so I'm going to put on my like head of marketing hat here. But when you look at the, the like, when you look at the, the unit economics of creating one asset like a webinar and not doing anything with it, you're just wasting time and energy because it takes so much time and energy from your team to stand up the webinar, to drive attendees to the webinar, to build all the content for the webinar, manage the pre-registration experience, manage the post-registration experience and post-webinar experience. And for us to just look at that and then forget it and move on, is such a disservice to all of that you have just invested into that asset. So if you're thinking about like cost per lead on an asset like this, you need to be thinking about, okay, so how can I take this piece of content and turn this into lots of lead generation opportunities for my business? And that goes a much further and allows you to actually reduce the cost per lead per asset that you're generating. Nice. Very well laid out. Very well laid out. So just on the technical side, it's obviously, it's still, for anybody that's ever done it or has thought about it, it is still a lot of work to mm. sort of break these pieces down, figure out where to repurpose them, um, get them up to the platforms, publish them, and then track them and figure out, you know, sort of what the next move is. Mm -hmm. What are some of those pain points? And are you guys handling all of that in-house? You have like an in-house editing team and... Yeah, yeah. So we do. Um, some hires that were really important and critical for me to make early on were making sure we had the right video editor and or videographer in house. And we're fortunate that we have um, Gans, who is like both. He's just a dynamite video uh, producer and and editor. So we had that on lock. We also have a killer graphic designer, Rachel, who spends time helping us with our visual identity and making sure that there is standardization but scalability in our content creation processes. She, she's really great at building about building templates so that we can reuse and, and repurpose. Um, and then the third critical hire we needed to make was like a, what we call a brand content strategist. And this person's job is to Sarah Payan. She's incredible as well, too. Her job is to figure out, okay, now that I know what that core asset is, what are the 14 different ways in which I can like rip this apart, rebuild it and repurpose it or recycle it? Um, and then how do I want to distribute that across the channels? Um, so these, this core trio is really the engine behind our content repurposing strategy. And they continuously work in lockstep with each other to find new ways to reimagine either the content itself or how we're going to recycle the content as time goes on. That's amazing. Um, are you guys planning these at a quarter of a time? six months at a time? What's your normal cycle? So we tend to look at these on a quarterly basis, but there's just going to sometimes be assets that just like pop into our heads, like out of the blue. Um, so they're timely, they're relevant to what's going on in the marketplace. And so we might have to like jump the queue on some of these things. Um, I call our, we have like always on surround sound strategy that's happening all the time. And so on a quarterly basis, we look at our body of work, we break it out about like, what is our always on? What is our like surround sound strategy of this content? Um, when we buffer in a little bit of room for some of the things that are just like relevant to the market at that point in time, we might have some sort of commentary on like the latest like meme that comes out there. Like we may have commentary about like the Super Bowl ads that came out and we leave a little bit of a buffer inside of that to make sure we can fold in any of these things that are just time bound and relevant to the day and age that we're in. 
but pretty much quarterly is where we take a look at our body of work. Um, we also partner with our sales team and our CS team a lot to figure out what is your greatest hits? Like, what do you hear customers saying they need help with the most? Or what do you hear prospects are struggling with the most? And we source all of our content ideas on a quarterly basis directly from the folks who are listening and talking with and working with our customers and prospects every day. Yeah, that's the old read the comments section, right? Just read the right. comments and find out what people are talking about and then go execute on it. Yes, exactly. It's it's not that hard. It's really not. You just got to listen and, and look for it. But inspiration is truly everywhere. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So you guys, I mean, you've essentially built an entire media team within inside of the uh, the walls of, of the larger company. So that's really cool. Inadvertently, I think it, we didn't we didn't set out to make a media company. It just so happened that we became one as time went on. But, um, you know, I, I think when you accidentally stumble upon a killer motion, like don't don't try to course correct it. Let it let it build its momentum and let it help guide you through your your needs as an organization. Yeah. And I mean, just but one of the things that um we're seeing just in this day and age is every company, if they're doing some type of content, they sort of need um, their own media team or they need to think like a media company inside, right? Yep. Um, if they want to continue to be successful or at least be ahead of the curve or, or, or right on time with the curve. Um, and I think, you know, you're seeing that from even the bigger companies like HubSpot. HubSpot just, you know, they just acquired a media company that's putting out a yep. killer newsletter and, and tons yep. of content. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, you guys are, are right on time and right on in the way of thinking about it. And, you know, I mean, who knows what comes out of that could be another, a whole another section of, of, of Alice. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're spot on. And, and I think the more that companies start to think more like a media company in both the content creation, but also the content distribution, um, you know, again, that timely acquisition by HubSpot to hustle of hustle, that's really a lot about the distribution play and access to, they have killer content. They've been known always for their inbound marketing and drawing folks in, but there is something to be said about how the media play, once you've repurposed the content, you've got great thought leadership. How do you distribute that in a way that's meaningful and non-interruptive? I will say this because people are distributing content left, right, and center, but it's like interruptive. It's not unsolicited and kind of boring. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the media play is also all about about your distribution uh, strategy as well as amplification. Do you have specific people that you're like, you're going to be a great content creator. Let's use you. Or is it sort of, sort of like a, like open forum, like anybody that sort of wants to jump in and help you help you either create or, you know, be the person on camera or, you know, concept the show. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, we're a lean team as well, too. We're a small company, so we have no choice but to try to find our content creators, our diamonds in the rough, if you will. One, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we oftentimes, I mean, I mentioned our two key stakeholders and sources for inspiration are sales and CS. But we very often go to those folks and, and like enable them to write content and help them with the editing and the refinement um, and we'll own the distribution of it. But again, they have the thought leadership. They know what's going to the comment section, right? They know what is top of mind for folks that we service. Um, it's just a matter of they don't realize that they are a marketer in disguise. They just have the title of like customer success manager, but really we see them as a marketer and it's just enabling them to see themselves as a marketer as well too. That's really cool. It gives everybody a voice, which is also really mm -hmm. important too, right? It gives the, the rest of the team sort of like a little bit of skin in the game and they feel a little bit more part of 
the solution rather than just another cog in the wheel. So that's really cool. The culture must be amazing. Just looking at the website, um, you know, I know we could spend an hour just talking about company culture, but just by going by the website, it looks amazing. Yeah. I mean, you, it's really hard to always be personal if your surroundings aren't personal themselves. Our culture is an extension of our mantra. It's not just a marketing shtick. Like anybody can put out this types of taglines or these types of slogans, but you got to eat your own dog food, as they say, or drink your own champagne, or I don't drink champagne, but I love LaCroix. So drink your own LaCroix Um, and make sure that your culture, shout out to LaCroix, sponsorship, TM, whatever. Um, But anyway, the uh, the way that we think about our culture is that if we're going to ever try to shift the tides and make business more personal again, we need to also be personal with our employees and celebrate their five to nine. Um, at the time of this recording, Dolly Parton was uh, just uh, partnered with with uh, Squarespace on the five to nine, talking about you know the five to nine, but. Sorry, Dolly, we beat you to the punch. Last year, it was all about the five to nine. That's what we celebrated. And if you look at all of our email signatures, you look in, even in our LinkedIn bios, we list our five to nines because we're people. We're not personas. Like, I'm not just the head of marketing. You can see, I have a guitar here. My surfboard is over here. I have cool artwork. Like, you get a glimpse into who I am as a person. Um, and we love that from a cultural perspective as well, too. We sell, we ask people to send us pictures of you and your five to Like, we have a kids' pets cuteness channel in our Slack group that's literally just pictures of, like, adorable puppies and kids around Alice. We have good eats channel so people can share what they've been cooking up in their kitchens, especially their quarantine especially kitchens. Especially now, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We have a, a good reads channel as well, too, of things that like, oh, I thought this article was really interesting. And it's like, rarely about anything that has to do with our space. It's like the launch of the latest SpaceX rocket or like, hey, here's what Bostonians think about when people steal their parking spot when there's snow is out, like things like that, that like have nothing to do with work, but are very much encouraged and amplified throughout the organization. And that helps define our culture. So what does Alice look like in 2021 moving forward the rest of the year? So this year's a big year for us. Um, In addition to all of the wheels that we set in motion last year of like emerging into the market with personal experience. um, Right now, a lot of folks see us as just a gifting company, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, that is definitely one of the major values to our platform. But we're going to be reimagining and reinventing the game for what it means to deliver one-to-one moments. Um, I'm not going to reveal too much of this as more of a teaser for folks, but like gifting is just where it starts. There are so many moment, uh, many times to introduce a moment throughout the customer life cycle. For example, in preparation for this call, maybe you could have pulled up my profile so you could have had my nine to five and my five to nine in there so we could bond over our affinity for like back to the future 80s cult classics like that kind of stuff would be so valuable just like loosening up the conversation and just having two humans talking to one another and not the sales like you know prospect tension that could exist in the conversation um so, so yeah, so that's a huge opportunity for us this year as our product continues to evolve and redefine this space of personal experience. Um, later on in May, actually, we host our annual event called Universe, Y-O-U, where we teach people how to put others before themselves in selling, marketing, and servicing. And this year, we're also going to be talking about recruiting and company culture and, and HR and how much being personal in your nine to five really does help amplify the five to nine. Um, beyond that, like there's, there's some really 
more more content repurposing. So get ready for it. <laughs> I think we have our hands full with our two original series, so we probably won't have too many more series coming out of that. But I say that today, and then maybe in in uh, June I'll be like, hmm, I think we need another series. So, um, but yeah, so that's that's what's on the horizon for us. Um, exciting stuff all around, and we're just super super pumped to be able to to show folks what it means to really be human and authentic again. This this was amazing. I'm uh, really stoked to get to know you and more about Alice. Where can everybody find MK and where can they find info about Alice? So the good news is there aren't very many of us Gettlers and there are definitely no MKs in the, the lineage of Gettlers. So I'm easy to find anywhere, just at MK Gettler on Insta, on Twitter, on uh, LinkedIn. You can also find Alice just by going to alyalice.com and check out what we're up to over there. Check out our original series, which you can find in our Learning and Resource Center. Um, and if anybody's interested in being a guest on any of these series, like we're always open for interesting folks, yourself included. We'd love to have you on an episode of Office Hour to talk about your recycling strategy. Very cool. So we'll link all of that in the show notes. MK, thank you so much for your time today. I know it's busy with a million Zoom meetings and Zoom fatigue is real for anybody out there that hasn't experienced it. Um, Thank you so much again for your time. This was amazing. The pleasure is all mine, truly. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks to MK for being our guest. And thanks to our team who put this together. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. You can find it in Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.